welcome thank you for tuning in we are testimony tuesday with the tribe of christians i'm your host brandon and i am joined with my beautiful and wonderful wife tiffany dawson she's going to be sharing her testimony with us today hello and uh this is actually gonna be um this is actually her first time in sharing her her testimony i think uh publicly you know um right this would be your first time really officially sharing your story so this is really exciting this is something incredible and um and when we when we get into sharing her story and uh you'll you'll see how the the biggest testimony about it it just the fact that we're here today and we're sharing our story with you and um and also we're going to be opening up uh once we get through the testimony part we're going to open up the phone lines to where you'll be able to call in and share your story with us and uh perhaps um maybe if you're tuning in today and you're listening and um maybe our story our testimony will encourage you or maybe uh, one of somebody's story will encourage you or you'll encourage somebody else uh, but uh anyways thank you for joining us we're so glad to be here and this is really our first um our first time of doing this and uh we're hoping to get a great response and then um perhaps we're going to move to a weekly testimony tuesday event to where every tuesday uh right here um on our facebook page at eight o'clock seven central you'll be able to tune in and we'll be able to uh get to know one another share our testimonies and things like that so uh, i'm here with tiffany my wife i'm so excited that she's able to join us we've got our coffees uh here in new york city is definitely a dunkin donuts kind of thing uh, me i just got some uh home regular coffee <laughs> uh anyways so we're gonna get right into it um so this tiffany's story is really remarkable and i'm not just saying that just because she's she's my wife but um uh, before we really started to just when we started becoming friends um her story gave me such incredible inspiration and really uh is a big part of the inspiration of the creation of the tribe of christians and who we are and what we're trying to accomplish um and her story has been um really centered about around hope um and faith and if you've if you're going through life and you've lost hope or you're going through struggles or rather if it's your health or finances or um or going through fears and abandonment things like that uh this story is definitely going to be an incredible inspiration to you um and it her story inspired me all the way from where i was in texas and she was here in new york city and it um helped bring a lot of people together and so um it's just uh i remember where i was and first hearing it it was just completely unbelievable um and we're going to take you through the process um everything from what she went through from her birth all the way up until uh, a few year few years ago at the moment she actually received christ so let's talk about your your birth for a second because out of a lot of people experience illness and sickness and they, they go through things um but i can't honestly out of all the people that i know i can't say that i know anyone that 
constantly was in and out through illness and injury and sickness all the way from birth um, for as long as you have. And um, so let's talk about, and it's just incredible that how the Lord has been working in your life even before you personally knew him. So your birth, let's talk about uh, your when, when you were born and um, you were born with um, a cleft palate, right? Yes. So, um, can you can you take us a little bit through that birth and um, kind of what the doctors had told your your mother and what life was going to be looking like for you as a, a baby? Okay. They told my mom that I was going to have either um, I wasn't going to be able to talk at all or. I was going to have severe speech impediments, and it affected um, my ears and my teeth and my nose. Um, and my mom had to specially feed me with um, a special bottle that they feed wildlife with. So my mom had to learn how to feed me with that bottle, and um. Wow! Wait, hang on a second. A, a special, a special tube that they had to feed you with that they used to feed wildlife with. Did you say that correctly? Yeah. I I didn't even know that. <laughs> and so how so so you had this um, a big gap, this hole in your mouth, right in the roof of your mouth. Yeah. And it affected your nose and your your ears and and all of that. And doctors said that this was going to be very, what difficult. Yeah. And so and your your and I can't imagine how uh, mom must have felt when when she was being told that that um, you know here is your your baby and these are the complications. You know do you do you know did she ever express some of the struggles that she had as a mother being told that. Yeah, she said it wasn't it wasn't an easy road, and she she had to wean me off the bottle. And I think six or eight months old, and usually babies don't get weaned off the bottle until they're almost two. And and this impacted your ability to to be able to breastfeed, right? You couldn't eat I'm normally. Not sure. yeah, oh, okay. I'm not sure. Well, that's so. How many surgeries did you have to undergo to? for the doctors have to correct that? For um, my mouth, I went through three surgeries. Um, one when I was about eight months old, one when I was two, and then the last one when I was nine. Wow, three! so three surgeries. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's for your mouth, your ears, and your nose and everything. Well, for my mouth. For your mouth, okay. Because I've had surgeries on my ears as well. Now... So let's talk about uh, once you got a little bit older, how did that affect you? Did it affect you at all with being able to eat normally like other kids? Um, as far as I know, I was able to eat fine because the, the majority of the palate was closed with the first two surgeries. And I was two when I had the second one, so I don't really remember. But as far as I know, it was fine. Okay. And then um, your hearing, did you have trouble with that or breathing yeah. or anything? I still have trouble with my ears. I, I've i had um, five or six tubes put in my ears 
Um, because I had chronic ear infections my whole life. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, now, growing up, um, when you started school and having to learn um, and learning how to speak and all this stuff, did you have to uh, go through any special, were you in a special learning classes or anything or speech classes? Well, I went through speech classes. Um, it was once or twice a week for my whole elementary school um, experience. I had a um in third grade, I wore headphones, and my teacher had to wear a microphone because I couldn't hear, so um, she had to do that, and it caused a lot of um, bullying as well. Um, kids aren't that nice. So in school, like you, you would be in the class, you had to wear these, these special headphones. Yeah. And the teacher had to use a microphone. Yeah. Wow. And and uh, so in the kids, you you know, usually they don't get it and they just are kids and they picked on you and bullied you a lot right, right. because of that. So that must that that must just right there alone from being a from being a um a kid and a toddler going with the, through that, that must have already started the stages of what social your your um, dealing with social anxieties and fears like that, and um, right, you you developed kind of this um, sense of maybe a little bit of isolation. Yeah, I so. was always um I was always different in um school, um and when at the time we lived in a predominantly um African American and Hispanic community, mm-hmm. so I was the only Caucasian kid in my school and unfortunately that had to do with the bullying as well. Wow. Okay. So now you would think that alone would be enough to really set somebody back in but um what let's talk about going from there into your what happened before your your seventh birthday, right? It was um, so, um, right before your seventh birthday, mm-hmm. what was it? Six days? Um, a week. A week. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tell us what happened. What, so you're right before you turned seven. Right. So the day before, um, the day before the event that I'm going to tell you about, there was a block party in my neighborhood. So if you don't know what a block party is, it's where the streets are closed off and you have parties and um, you can be out in the middle of the street. So, um, we're pretty sure that this is the reason why I was the next day, which was July twenty first, nineteen ninety six. I was um crossing the street to go play with my friend across the street, and a taxi cab um was coming down the wrong way of the street, speeding and um approximately almost 80 miles an hour and he struck me because I was crossing between two parked cars and my mom tells me that she vividly remembers hearing the screeching of the tires and she was like oh crap someone got hit so she looks out her window and she sees her little baby daughter up in the air so she she literally jumped out our first floor window to come out and see me and I um 
I was unconscious for a little while. When she said that coming down out of the air, it was, I came down really slow. So it was as if someone was holding on to me to pull me down. So I didn't hit the ground on impact. So she came out and um, she noticed that my leg was disfigured. And the, the, the guy that hit me, he kept going. And there was um, some neighbors that were trying to slow him down. And they went through his window and rammed onto him. And, you know, trying to slow him down, but he didn't stop. He kept going. So eventually he turns himself in, but still it was a hit and run at the moment. Wow. So, okay, for our, our listeners and viewers out there, um, if you haven't driven or seen New York City, it's very congested and the streets are very extremely narrow and there's parked cars um, along the side of the street constantly. And it, it, it is very difficult uh, to see people walking through if you're not paying attention for it so um and this was in like what queens or brooklyn? brooklyn in brooklyn and if you if you ever i wish i didn't think to get some pictures but um i didn't think i just figured that would be cool to share to see show what that looks like but uh so you're crossing the street and this taxi cab comes flying what 60 miles an hour at least 70 miles an yeah. hour yeah, it, my sneaker um flew off of my foot, and they found it two blocks later. Wow! Can you imagine seeing as a parent, as a uh, a father or mother, and you have the horror to see your six year old child go crossing the street and getting hit by a taxi cab, and seeing your child up in the air and their shoe flying down the blocks? That's enough. That would uh, I, I don't even have words to describe that, uh, thinking it as a parent, but, um, and, and, you know, most children would probably have died on impact and, um, there's, you know, and seeing something like that, it's just incredible that you were able to come back from that. So, and the paramedics, they, they were on scene, took you to the hospital and, um, I just, Wow, that's incredible. And so when you get to the hospital, and how, how many surgeries do they have to do for your your leg and back and stuff? As far as I know, it was just the one time. I'm not sure if there were multiple surgeries during that time. But um, I had a broken hip, a fractured femur, and an out-of-place pelvis. Wow. And then, so did the doctors tell you how that was going to affect you the rest oh, of your yeah. life? Oh, yeah. They told me I was never going to walk again. And, um, and that I was going to have to go through years and years of physical therapy for my leg when I still wouldn't never walk again. Now, let me, if you're watching this, have, I, I can just think of it right now that somebody's probably told you what what you would never do again, that what can never happen for your life told you what you can or can't do. And praise God, because you walk, right? You are completely walking, no crutches, no wheelchair. Uh -huh. I mean, you have a little bit of a limp. <laughs> 
that so sometimes we joke about but isn't that amazing you're you and so how long did it take you you went through rehab and recovery how long did it take you to be able to get healing and probably about eight months because the following year i was walking around disney world so wow well great it's yeah. a good thing they took you to disney world after going through all of that you know yeah. so but eight months you fully recovered yeah because were- i know we on chair i had to i had to um i had to go through this little therapy i was in a wheelchair and i um what was I saying? Oh my goodness. Oh. Um, yeah, physical therapy. I was in a wheelchair. Oh, I had to um have homeschooling because the accident happened in July. So when it came time for September, I wasn't gonna be able to go to school. I was in a spider cast, which is a cast on your whole um left leg, a metal bar across your stomach. And a cast on half of your right leg. So I was bedridden and I couldn't go to school. So they had tutors and homeschooling for me. But my mom always said that she just admired me because there was never a morning where I said I don't want to go or I don't want the teacher to come. And... I had perfect attendance all throughout elementary school, including the accident, because I never missed a day of my homeschooling. Perfect attendance. And there there was the Lord working right through your life mm-hmm. and as a witness and testimony to your mom of his goodness. And, 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 and at that young age, just having the strength to be able to go to school and having the endurance to get healing and to make it through the um for your leg and being able to walk again and um that's that's amazing to me right there so um you know i forgot i didn't i meant to show some of your little baby pictures um i don't mean to take a step back but i just wanted um to show some of your like this picture here, you were just, how old were you? Born, maybe just, an day old, two days old. And my mom's, you can't tell, but my mom is feeding me with a special bottle. Um, and she had to hold my head a certain way. So only about, I think she said only about two or three people knew how to feed me. Because it was difficult. You had to angle the bottle a certain way. Otherwise the milk wouldn't go my palate and come out of my nose wow i that's uh that's very challenging right there Mm -hmm. and um if you i mean just thinking about the details and as a parent having to go through that so now i want to this is this is one of my favorite pictures i love to show this picture this is (laughs) her ice cream her little snowball picture there Mm -hmm. how how old were you in this picture probably about eight or nine months eight or nine months. we lived in nevada at the time so i had never seen snow so my grandfather and my brother went up to the mountains and they brought me back a snowball inside of a cooler that's this is my i love this picture one of my favorite pictures so now let's take so after your your car accident and going through everything you're probably seven or eight 
seven or eight years old going through school um let's talk about um what faith looked like a little bit family structure going to church or if you really knew the lord or not um so your your family you have we have uh you have three siblings yes and at the time only it was me and my brother you and your brother okay mm-hmm. And you guys were raised kind of semi-Catholic? Yeah, we went on a church here and there. As far as I remember, we weren't regularly attending. But we went a couple of times, and um, it wasn't until about two or three years after my accident that I became invested in the Catholic church. That's me and my brother on Easter. And Easter came to play a huge part in your life down the road. Down the road, yeah. We'll down get the road, to that. yeah. Won't we'll get to that. <laughs> All right. So you you had a little bit, a somewhat of a knowledge, you know, from going to cath, you know, Catholic church, some of the classes. But would you say you you really knew the Lord, or you no. just kind of knew about? I just knew about him, but I didn't know him. So now go, going through, you graduate. Um, you graduated high school, and um, I'm looking to see if we put that picture in here. Nope. Uh, you graduated high school, went into college, um, and you you found someone that you loved and were uh, engaged with for you know what six years. You got you were in a relationship, and you got married. And then let's talk about that testimony, um, what you went through in 2012, uh, right? It was 2012? 2013. 2013. Okay, so what was, the, what was the first thing that happened in this situation? Um, was it the, let's take it back, what the hurricane happened? What the... No, um, in 2012, I had two major brain surgeries and I um I got diagnosed with hydrocephalus but to rewind a little bit there were eight years that I had debilitating headaches eight whole years of headaches and no one knew why my mom would bring me to specialists we I went to the doctors and I was missing a lot of high school that's why I mentioned that I had attendance in elementary school but in high school, I was missing a lot of school. I was on the verge of not being able to graduate. And it was all because of these headaches. And uh, various teachers. And then as I got older, um, my boss that I worked at a supermarket, he thought I was making it up and saying that I partied and um, that I have, I'm hungover and that's why I'm not coming to work. But the truth was, at the time, I really didn't consume alcohol, and I um, didn't party, but that's when he insisted. And then it was February 12th, 2012, I was um, at work, and I wasn't feeling well at all. Like, it was worse than I've ever felt, and I felt like my sugar was low. So I... um started eating sugar like it got to the point where i was just opening up packs of sugar and eating them and the doctors later said that i was incoherent so that's why i was doing that but i passed out 
and I ended up um, having to be rushed to the nearest hospital. And that hospital is now closed because it wasn't a really good hospital. However, they're the only hospital that was able to diagnose me with my issue, which is hydrocephalus. And hydrocephalus is fluid on the brain. So at the basis is I had too much fluid in my ventricles. So a few days later, they took me to... um. North Shore Hospital in Manhattan, which is a great hospital, and um, it took me there, and I had I had one surgery on February seventeenth of that year, and it was not successful. I actually ended up dying on the table. Um, the doctors were resuscitating me for they said approximately forty five minutes getting ready to call, call my life. Like, can you imagine that, calling someone's life? Wow. Yeah. So we have to pause on this real, this right here. So, okay, so you were going through high school with all these really debilitating headaches and everything, and mm-hmm. teachers were just saying that, you know, this person is just throwing her life away, doesn't care. And meanwhile, there's a serious medical issue going on, yeah. right? And then so you 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 finally end up going into the hospital and then they uh, they, you know, just because you had a serious headache, right? Just into the ER, not knowing what was going on. I had passed out. Oh, my. So, wow. So you had passed out and that was why they took you in. OK, yeah. so they, you know, they find out, hey, she has hydrocephalus uh she's got swelling in the in the brain with her these fluids and her ventricles we got to do surgery right away right away so the doctor said that had i left it untreated for another week or two my ventricle could have burst and then i would have died instantly that would have been in like an aneurysm right or pretty much well i'm so thankful that you went in (laughs) because we wouldn't be together today if it weren't for that Go, uh, so immediately they had to do emergency emergency brain surgery and you didn't have any time to prepare for that right no time well about a day oh gave me because um with their guidelines who can't eat past midnight so they had to wait a day they had to wait a day um but there was also the three or four days when I was in the other hospital waiting to be transferred that I was just sitting there not being treated at all with nothing. And um, the only thing they had in the other hospital was a heart monitor. And um, well, when I got to the new hospital, it was within a day that they did the emergency surgery. And there was a problem with... um. The surgery, I was supposed to go in at 10 a.m., and there was a holdup on the other person's surgery, so they didn't come to get me until about 4 p.m. So, imagine all that time not having anything to eat or drink. It plays a part in your surgery as well. Um, But I remember um, my mom was requesting um, priests come and pray over me, and my ex-husband was an atheist, I guess that's what you would call it. He was an atheist, and he demanded that I don't have anyone come pray for me, 
and because he was my spouse at the time, he had a decision, and because they deemed me um, unable to make decisions, so he demanded that they don't pray over me nothing, and then my mom was, you know, very upset, and my ex-husband had gone down to the vending machine, and my mom said, Tiffany, can you please just have him pray for you? So I said, okay, sure. So my mom had the priest come pray for me. And it was basically like a last will and testament because they didn't know how the surgery was going to go. And in a way, it, it's perfect that I had a last will and testament because I actually died on the table and I was able to be resuscitated after 45 minutes. So, okay. We, we believers, Christians, um, we say this all the time, especially when we're uh, test, testifying to friends and family. And um, we always talk about how you never know when, when at the last minute, um, life can be taken from you. And so ha- had you at this point, like actually literally just that was it. It was called and your soul is, is gone from your body. You wouldn't have been with the Lord. That's and and they were and your husband husband at that time was denying any kind of prayer whatsoever. No, we don't want prayer. We don't want anything to do with God or religion. Um, And so, but luckily, the Lord worked through your mother to just what she went down the hall and got the priest right. She she went despite your your husband and everything, went down there to the hall, grabbed that priest, came and he he prayed over you, um, at that moment, right? Yeah. Right. So, so would you say? And then that first surgery, and I'm so thankful because that first surgery, you were doctor said that you were unresponsive uh, for 45 minutes, and they were ready to call it. Yeah. Ready to say that's it. She's she's gone. And then what? Another doctor came in and gave it that last attempt. Uh, no, it was the same doctor. He said, well, "Okay, let's try it one more time." And they did the paddles, and um, they shocked me and was able yeah. to find my pulse. Wow, that is incredible! And for forty in forty five minutes, most people would suffer brain damage or. Um, extensive damage, and you didn't have. I mean, aside from the side effects from the surgery, but you were, you know, uh, still able to be to live through that. And then, so they did the second surgery. Well, the first surgery was only supposed to last about four hours. It lasted about eight. Wow. So okay. So it eight hours in surgery, and um. Did, there was was there any rest time between that and the second surgery? Yeah, about two days. About two days. Okay. So Which did you was horrible because I was very sick. Very like um, puking, throwing yeah. up, just black. Well, yeah, and see, was coming out, and it was black, and I was incoherent. I had to use a bedpan. I didn't have my glasses, so I couldn't see anyone, and um. Part of the requirement was every time they entered the room, you have to confirm your name. Mm-hmm. It was very annoying. Because they kept having me say my name over and over and, and just felt like, you know, it was just, it was unnecessary. But now I understand why they do that because I had brain surgery and they have to make sure that you're not 
You're losing your memory or having brain damage. So, what, did the, did anybody tell you when you woke up that you had died? Did anybody share that with you? Um, I'm not sure. I don't remember, but I do remember eventually a nurse coming in and sharing it with me and my ex-husband and um giving me the paperwork with the with the details of the surgery where it said patient was in unresponsive for point um for forty five minutes. So you you don't have that much memory from it, but but I'm guessing you can imagine that how that must have made you feel knowing that Yeah, well I didn't know how long the surgery took because for me when I went to the emergency when I went to the OR and then when I came out there were no windows in the room that I was in so I didn't know what time it was or how long it had passed and my mom actually said that it was about eight or nine hours that I was in that surgery. Wow so a lot of people might say I have to share this because um you know I I I don't care what skeptics would say at this moment because this is incredible and the spiritual realm is 100% real. God is absolutely real. Um, life does not, it doesn't end here. It keeps going. And this is really just a very small, very, very small dot compared to eternity. And so, and some people mentioned that they have sort of an outer experience from death or uh, they saw things or things like that. Now, in this time, when you don't have any memory, you didn't have any memory when you when you came back um, of of anything. But you did have you did see some things in, in that time lapse, right? When you're in your room. Oh yes, there was. Um, I didn't have my glasses, so I really couldn't make out what it was. But there was a um, dark black figure sitting in the chair at the end of my hospital room and it was just there and nobody believed me no one saw it and they just said that I was hallucinating so you you know it, we, we don't know for a fact but you know um, but we do know that it's very possible angels demons all these things the spiritual realm is very real and when you're that close to a situation it is possible so um, you saw a black figure in your room, and that was that must have been terrifying, right? Mm -hmm. That's like that reminds me of the vultures of when somebody or something is about to die or is near death, and they're just kind of lingering around. So that must have been, um, and and that figure was kind of in and out of your life for a while, wasn't it? In your interview, yes. um, my mom said that she saw it about an day or two before I got hit in the car. Wow. So this this figure has been this death figure, whatever this, whatever it was, had been has been in and out, lingering around your life and your family's life, and other people have seen it. Yeah. So we go into the second surgery. The second surgery was successful. Yeah. What happened it with this? In, it put in a, a shunt, which is a device that goes from your brain into your abdomen, and it drains the extra fluid from the brain into the abdomen and the doctor said that it was like night and day between the two surgeries um I, my, the, my recovery from the second surgery was astonishing and they've never seen someone 
you know, come out of the surgery and just be talking in full sentences. And my, I was requesting um, food. I told my mom, I was like, I want food. And they said that most people don't have that appetite after that surgery. But I, I was hungry. <laughs> yeah. So, so you were able to recover quickly from after that second surgery. Things were going a little better. Yes. Um, it kind of was like when you got hit with the car, right? You were able to really get back on track. And well, when hitting by the car, I had um, I had a while to recover. But from the surgery, I was able to recover fast. Um, and I got to go home within two days after the second surgery. So, now, you would think, okay, from birth, going through all of that, with your almost having to die at birth through all those complications, to getting hit by the car, to now dealing with major brain surgery and dying on the first surgery, that after all of that, um, you think that would be enough for anybody to give up and to feel hopeless. And um, so let's, let's talk a little bit. Now, now at this point, you're, how old were you at your surgery? You're 22. 22. Okay. So you're a young adult. And let's talk about your feelings, how you felt, and what, 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 what did life look like at 22 after that surgery? Well, I... Um as I mentioned, when I was in high school, I was missing a lot of school because I had horrible headaches and dizziness. And um, so I was in college at the time, and I was missing a lot of college as well because of the headaches and whatnot. And I ended up getting no credit in a lot of classes, and it caused um, me to have to drop my classes because I wasn't getting anywhere. So, did so you did you feel any kind of sense of hopelessness about your future? Definitely. You felt and did you feel um did you struggle with depression or anything going through this despair? Well, I was heartbroken and I felt like there was no solution to anything. Um Depression, I'm I'm not sure because I I don't know if I was depressed at the time, but I do know that it wasn't fun. It wasn't a fun experience, and the doctors told me that I would have a very hard time remembering things, and that I was going to have horrible short-term memory, and um, you know, since my brain, anything could go wrong and they don't know the results of anything until until um you know it occurs so so okay here here the doctor is saying you're gonna you have hydrocephalus now you probably don't have a long lifespan right they you know from the people who do have hydrocephalus probably don't don't get to live that long and they experience a lot of illness um, and so you probably felt extremely hopeless and despair about a future, right? And yeah. and you were you had already started college, didn't you? You were already yeah, in I was school. Already in school. And so that so if whatever amount of hope that you had about making it now this happens, and and so um and 
you're and and everything seemed to fall apart at this point, right? At this point in your life after this happened, um, going into what was it, 2012, 2013 from the hurricane and um, because you had started developing other illnesses, right? Well, when the hurricane there came on the okay, so you okay from your so from your brain surgery you had uh, lost thirty percent of your vision, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. So you have about seventy, which means you can't see um, your the outside. Your your uh, yeah, I have horrible peripheral vision. So you lost vision. You lost a little. Did you lose any more with hearing or anything like that? Or hearing? No, I didn't lose any hearing. And then you developed a seizure disorder, right? Well, not not yet, but yeah. So eventually, what, I developed a seizure disorder. Like in between the hydrocephalus and the seizure disorder. Came a blood infection. Okay, so now after after okay, just recapping, you know, from from birth, get, going through the car accident, and then uh, now with the brain surgery, and then you started develop you developed a seizure disorder, you developed a, a blood infection. Was this the pre leukemia? Your your white yes. blood cell counts. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Well, the pre leukemia first came and started circulating in my life when I was about 17. So the pre-leukemia was circling in my life for years before there was any kind of threat. And you had to go and get blood transfusions, correct? Yep, they had because, the- yeah, as I had. I had ended up getting a blood, um, a blood disease from Hurricane Sandy. Uh, um, uh, many of you don't know, there was a hurricane, what they call it a superstorm, that um, that took over the whole northeast region of our country. And I lived, at the time I lived um, right by the bay in Rockaway and Armored. And um, we had no heat, no hot water, no electricity. So my I was living with my brother, and at the time we um we decided to stay for a little while because we had um L fourteen cats and we didn't want to leave them. Speaking of that, you could probably hear our cat back there. <laughs> okay, so you developed a low immune disorder. Why well, I'm always had the low immune. You always had the low immune. Yeah, I'm always had low immune system. And then there was an issue with bl- with being able to what uh, a blood disorder or was yeah, that I had a blood. I had a blood disease, a blood infection. And it prevented from like healing and things. Yeah. And then uh, well, I ended up getting hemophilia from it. Wow. I ended up um having a horrible immune system, and then my thyroid was acting up, and I ended up like bloating like a lot i would my face would blow up and my limbs would blow up so my hands and my feet were like puffy and my cheeks were puffy uh so now let's go into let's go so when that while this happened your your ex decided to bail dish and bail right your 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 husband at the time decided i i'm not doing this it left 
um and you ended up having to move back in with your your mom so you were kind of um in a homeless situation and um so on top with oh yeah and not to mention when you got the the blood transfusions you got um you developed these allergy food allergies right to uh pork watermelon kiwi tomatoes allergic to tomatoes so um so now fast forward so you went through everything you ended up becoming um you end up your husband ditched you abandoned you Mm -hmm. and that was that must have so already feeling as i i can't imagine already feeling as bad as it was going through the health stuff and then going through that and then facing homelessness and still you're 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 still fighting for your life and for a future and um any of this time did you ever end up attending or visiting a church anywhere or um how did you feel about god at this point in life well i was not religious at all i didn't have any type of spiritual um you know life other than from when I was younger, I went to a Catholic church, but you skipped by that part. But I, um, I really had no faith, and I didn't really understand if there wasn't God, how come I was going through all of these heartbreaks and turmoils. And, um, I just wanted to share, this is one of, we kind of joke about this picture, but... This was from this picture was from about four years ago, and just to show just kind of how you were feeling and sensing at this time. Well, about five years. Yeah, ago. five years ago. Mm-hmm. It says four, but it is five. Years ago. So that was it. Was a winter. You're cold. Just you can just see it. My muscles right there. were killing me. My legs were killing me. And I was just basically, I said. I signed up for the world. Just didn't care and mm-hmm. didn't have much reason. You and already going through that abandonment and stuff like that. And so now let's let's take let's go through the week before. So when we when we met and we were friends and starting to date, and about a week before I moved to New York City is is when the you had the revelation of the Lord and when he um when you accepted him let's talk let's go through that so um it was easter right you were attending an easter play yeah and so your mom had invited you to attend a easter play service at her church and for some reason right for some reason well i went with her to a christmas show in the december before so I went to the show, and then she knows that I like shows, I like plays, I like musicals. And I wasn't doing anything, so she said, here, come with me to the Easter play. And so I said, okay, no, whatever, you know, it was it was across the street from her house. So I put on my outfit, and I went. And, um, it was, it was very interesting, the play. It was about, um, different trials in the bible and uh, you know looking at the play i'm related to the leading woman from the bible because of my illnesses and i just um i connected to that part not anything spiritual 
Matilda found that the woman was, you know, sick and nobody was helping her and they were neglecting her. That's what I felt like for me. So you felt, you know, you were at the play. They had this woman that was, um, you know, going through sickness and uh, uh, neglect, being neglected and everything. And so you instantly made a connection. And then, um, and then what was, and then what was the moment it really hit you? And you said this, I believe. Um, well, I don't know the exact moment, but I do know that they were playing the song called No Longer Slaves. And in the song they say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And instantly you, and they did an altar call. Yes. And you went to the altar call and you prayed and you uh, accepted, accepted Christ. And I'm trying to, and you, you went to the altar call, you responded, you accepted Christ. And, and, and let me tell you, at this time, this was powerful because um, Tiffany, I was in Texas and she's here in New York. And we were, um, we had known each other maybe about uh, four to six months um, and had never really officially met or were friends and were, you know, dating without officially meeting yet. Um, but I remember going through, um, I said that I would, I would never, um, uh, I, I could never be with someone that didn't know the Lord, whatever, after everything that I personally went through. And um, and here, it, you know, the Lord has shown me a lot of signs about you and then coming to New York. And then and then here it is literally uh, three or four days before uh, my trip and I made it to New York and you had this play and the Lord reached you and you came to know Jesus and um and that's that's incredible and uh, once we we uh i moved here and we started attending church um what was it it was april of 2015 and that september 2015 you were baptized and this is a this was an incredible moment and you're no, you're the end of August. oh it wasn't the end i thought it was september it was at the end of august so um, here, the your baptism wasn't a typical baptism, was it? No. Yeah. It, did, you wanna? How were you? Where were you? Where? How? How did this work out? Well, the church that I was attending at the time, which was House on the Rock, um, they didn't have a building, so they were meeting in the summer in a tent on a piece of land that they owned, and it was um a young tank. And they they had a summer carnival before um the baptisms. They had a summer carnival, and they had the young tanks. So I remember my pastor saying, "Oh well, well let's use the young tank because that's a large body of water, and we can just utilize that when we train it." So you are baptized in a dunk tank, yeah. in a tent outside of in the in the heat and in, in the service and and we do and uh th you know that is now our our church home and uh that pastor there is pastor gary petrillo um his story is incredible and that church is incredible and um and shortly after her baptism and, and i think it's a little without getting too much into detail whatever um but the lord brought some healing into your life at in this time didn't he yes so what what's what did your 
what kind of healing did you experience after this? Well, we skipped over the part, but there well, was, oh yeah, yeah. In 2014, um, I was diagnosed with um epilepsy, and my health was deteriorating throughout the years after my brain surgery. To about 2015, my health was the worst that it's ever been, and I ended up getting a blood infection. I ended up having um, epilepsy, I had the hydrocephalus, as was, men- as was mentioned, and I had severe depression, horrible anxiety and depression from my ex-husband just leaving um, with no warning, nothing. And, so, and then, so, uh, yeah, that, I forget, we forgot to mention that, but that, so after going through all that and all those illnesses now getting back to um after you know the time of coming to know the lord your baptism now the the healing part what kind of areas of healing did you experience i got healed from the seizure disorder and and the so you haven't you haven't had uh, a seizure in since what three four three years now Wow, that's incredible. And not only that, but the blood infection? It's completely gone. Completely no trace gone. of it. No trace, just, just like that. Went into the doctor's office, did the blood work. Yeah. And just gone, just like that. And um, was is there any was there any other areas of healing? What's, you know, maybe emotionally, mentally? Well, after I received Christ, the depression and the anxiety and just kind of completely went away. I still suffer with social anxiety here and there, but that's just years and years of being bullied and years and years of people just not understanding my my difficulties. Uh, this is, so this is, you're a living testament, a living testimony of someone who literally died went through illness constantly your whole life, not not even knowing or a living testament of the power, the love of Jesus, um, and the realness of his healing, everything that the Bible says uh is real, that is real, that happened for you. And um and now now, you know, um after, you know, we were able to get married, we have an apartment, we've got a car, all this stuff and uh and in your life that the Lord has restored. Uh, do you, you have anything do you want to personally say just about your testimony, what the Lord did, um, just uh, of his goodness? Any any other extra thoughts before we go uh, to the phone lines? Um, I'm just thankful for him, and I just appreciate all he's done for me. And um, the... Me, Tiffany, um, between 2014, 2015, and now is like night and day. I'm a completely different person. I'm just a different soul, as you would say. You you wouldn't even recognize me. My face, you may recognize, but my personality is completely different. And I remember... The, you know, I, I I can't say that I ever got to really experience such a transformation in somebody's life, but I can definitely testify that 
what you were like before and then seeing you you know now and going through everything and and there's many times where your faith is definitely inspired me and um just uh the sense of a future the sense of hope and um your faith has uh inspired i think a lot of people and everyone that's known you and your family you know could probably say that there was a clear night and day difference in your life when jesus entered your life and um and everything from the healing to um you know your your personality your joy um and and you like when was the last time you ever had to have a major hospital visit like majorly significant hospital visit it, it's been what three 2014 so you haven't had to go into the hospital for anything major or significant other than just a you know typical hospital or doctor visit and that's that is incredible and we're we're going to we're going to open up the phone